Blog Talk Radio.
Did you know that whether you are fully aware or not, you have placed something first in your life? Have you ever stopped to consider what occupies that prime spot in your heart and whether or not it truly deserves that honor? Today, I want to urge you to put God first in your life. Let us delve into God's Word to truly understand the profound impact of making Him the center of our lives. I am also going to pray a powerful prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. Now consider this. Every decision, every action, and every thought reflects what we value most. The choices we make daily are a mirror to our soul's deepest desires and priorities. But, you know what? We should always ensure that we put God first in all that we do. When we truly place Him at the forefront of our lives, we experience a transformation so profound that our lives will never be the same. Today, I want to share with you nine essential truths to keep in mind as we seek to ensure that we've put God first in our lives. As we discuss these nine truths, I pray that each one will resonate deeply within you, guiding your path closer to God's heart. Remember, a life centered around God is not just rewarding. It's the very essence of true fulfillment in your life. Number one, understand the ultimate priority. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This isn't a mere statement. It's a profound truth. Every day, life presents us with an array of choices. It's like being at a grand buffet with so many dishes to pick from. What do you prioritize? The world offers temporary pleasures, wealth, fame, luxury, and all the material stuff you can think of. But what does God offer? God offers himself, which covers everything. When we prioritize God, we aren't merely adding him to our list. We are placing him at the top. By aligning ourselves with God's purpose, our entire perspective shifts. Life's challenges, rather than appearing as insurmountable obstacles, become lessons. They evolve into opportunities for growth and self-discovery. And you know what's interesting? When we place God first, everything else falls into place. It's like that void we once had. It's filled, that deep emptiness within us. Like there's something missing, it's gone. Because when we place God first, we begin to find fulfillment in His love and purpose. It's one thing for me to tell you, but my friends, experiencing it for yourself is another thing. It's life-changing in a tangible way. Once you place God first and feel that fulfillment personally, no one can sway your conviction, just like no one can persuade me otherwise, because I felt and seen the power of God at work in my own life and in the lives of others. And that's what makes the Daily Jesus devotional community so unique on this platform. We aren't here for superficial reasons. We are deeply committed to spreading the gospel and transforming lives. 
because we've witnessed God's power firsthand. Our team members have all walked that path. And we invite you daily to join us on this life-changing journey towards a deeper connection with God and to live a victorious life. And here's something else to think about. Remember the story of Noah and the ark? God told Noah to build an enormous boat because a flood was coming. People laughed and thought Noah was silly, but Noah listened to God, put him first, and built the ark. When the flood came, Noah and his family were safe. Just like Noah, when we listen to God and put him first, we're protected and guided. Even when things get tough or confusing, having God as our top priority helps us stay strong, hopeful, and filled with peace. So, let's be like Noah and keep choosing God and putting him first. With God leading the way, our lives are always on the right track. Number two, there is the gravity of idolatry. As the book of Exodus warns us, in chapter 20, verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. On the surface, this may sound straightforward. Most of us might say, I don't worship idols. So this doesn't apply to me. But let's dig deeper. Idolatry isn't just about bowing to statues. It's about what occupies the throne of our heart. Is it money? Career? Relationships? Social status? Oftentimes, Without even realizing it, these things take God's place in our lives. Every time we prioritize our desires, our fears, or the world's approval over God's voice, we place something else in His rightful position. Sometimes it may be unintentional, but that still doesn't change the reality. It's therefore essential to regularly examine our hearts and realign our priorities. By recognizing and dethroning these idols in our lives, we clear a path for God to take his rightful place. Let's think about the story of Jonah for a moment. Most of us are familiar with this story. Jonah tried to run from God's command, prioritizing his own feelings and fears over God's guidance. He ended up in the belly of a big fish. Yet, in that dark place, Jonah found clarity. He prayed and turned his heart back to God. And God, in his endless mercy, gave Jonah another chance. Just like Jonah, we too can find ourselves in tricky situations when we let other things take the place of God in our lives. But the beautiful thing is that God always gives us a way back. If we take a moment, refocus, and push aside the idols that have crept into our lives, we can begin to experience the joy and peace that comes from truly putting God first. Our God is faithful and full of mercy. After all, as Psalm 37 verse 4 reminds us, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. This Bible verse offers us a promise worth holding on to. Number three, know about the transformative power of divine guidance. Proverbs beautifully echoes this in chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. 
This isn't mere advice. It's a life principle. In our journey through life, we often come across crossroads, moments of uncertainty, and periods of darkness. We all do. It's in these moments that our human understanding feels woefully inadequate. But there's a promise awaiting us. We are promised of God's divine guidance. When we fully trust in God and acknowledge Him, He doesn't just enlighten our path. He leads us by the hand. This guidance isn't about merely avoiding pitfalls. It's about being directed towards a life of abundance and purpose. It's about embracing a journey where every turn, every twist, and every pause has divine intent behind it. Reflecting on the story of David and Goliath offers profound insight into divine guidance. As a young shepherd boy, David faced the towering giant, Goliath. By human understanding, David had no chance. He was not a trained soldier, and he did not have the size or strength of Goliath. But David wasn't relying on his own understanding. He trusted in the Lord. In the book of 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, with a simple sling and five smooth stones, he confronted the giant, saying, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. With God's guidance, David defeated Goliath and demonstrated that divine guidance and trust in the Lord could overcome even the most insurmountable challenges. This story encourages us to remember that when we trust in God's guidance, when we put God first, we can face our giants, no matter how big they seem. God is always ready to guide us, making our paths straight and leading us to victory. Number four, reordering our priorities is crucial. In Luke 10 verses 41 to 42, we find a lesson on priorities. When Jesus told Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. He was pointing out the essence of priorities. Life is bustling, filled with tasks, responsibilities, and distractions. In the midst of this, it's easy to forget the most crucial aspect, our spiritual well-being. The dishes will always be there. The laundry will pile up again, and the emails will keep coming. But the moments that we spend at the feet of Jesus, those are irreplaceable. It's a lesson for all of us. While we shouldn't neglect our chores and responsibilities, it's vital to ensure they don't overshadow our relationship with God. By regularly reordering our priorities, we ensure a balanced, fulfilling life where both spiritual and worldly responsibilities are harmoniously balanced. Taking a leaf from the book of Psalms, we are reminded in Psalm 46 verse 10, Be still and know that I am God in our fast-paced world. Stillness is often overlooked, yet it's in these quiet moments that we can genuinely connect with God and hear His voice. Think of the story of Elijah in 1st Kings chapter 19. After witnessing powerful events like fire and earthquake, God's voice came to him, not in the grand spectacles, but in a gentle whisper. This emphasizes the importance of quiet moments. 
away from the clatter and clamor of daily life, by making time for God in our busy schedules, by being still and listening, we give Him the space to speak to our hearts and guide us. This doesn't mean quitting our jobs or abandoning our chores. It means setting aside purposeful moments each day, even if it's just a few minutes to sit in His presence. And as we do, our priorities naturally find their rightful order. With God at the center, number five, the joy of a God-centered life. Psalm 16 verse 11 states, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How beautiful is that promise. The world offers pleasures. Yes, but they are temporary. They are like bursts of flavor that quickly fade away. God's joy, on the other hand, is eternal. It sustains, strengthens, and renews. A God-centered life is similar to dwelling in a perpetual spring. Even in the midst of challenges, there's an underlying current of joy. This joy isn't rooted in circumstances, but in a deep-seated relationship with the Creator. With God at the center, life becomes an exciting journey, filled with wonder, adventure, and profound joy. Reflecting on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we see Him proclaiming in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This purity of heart translates to a life free from the entanglements of worldly distractions and temptations. A heart devoted solely to God. Such a heart sees God, not just in grand miracles, but in everyday moments. The smile of a child, the beauty of a sunset, or the kindness of a stranger. A God-centered life brings clarity, like the clear waters of a still pond. Everything becomes a reflection of God's love and goodness. Every experience, good or bad, is an opportunity to draw closer to Him. And in this closeness, in this intimacy with the divine, we find the deepest and most enduring joy. It's a joy that goes beyond mere happiness. It's a joy that resonates in the depths of one's soul, regardless of what's happening around us. Number six, be confident about God's provision and promise. The promise in Philippians 4 verse 19 is a beacon of hope. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When we prioritize God, it doesn't mean forsaking our needs, desires, or dreams. Rather, it's entrusting them to someone who knows us better than we know ourselves. God's provision isn't about just fulfilling our needs. It's about exceeding them. It's not about giving us what we want, but what we truly need. Imagine a loving father looking at his child. He doesn't just provide for the child's basic needs, but delights in giving gifts, surprises, and blessings. That's how God views us. By placing Him first, we tap into an infinite reservoir of blessings that flow from His throne. Number 7. Know the outcome of a divided heart. James 1 verses 6 to 8 cautions. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. 
That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Duality is a challenge. Trying to balance between God and the world creates instability. Like trying to stand on two boats, drifting in opposite directions. By serving two masters, we become spiritually lukewarm. Neither here nor there, but by giving God our undivided heart, we find solidity, stability, and purpose. Our choices become clear, our path becomes defined, and our destiny becomes aligned with His perfect will. Number 8. Understand Life's True Purpose Have you ever grappled with the whole thought of why you are here? Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 sums up the essence of our existence, and it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Amidst the noise of the world, it's easy to lose sight of our true purpose. Are we here just to live, earn, spend, and then fade away? Or is there a higher purpose to our lives, a divine calling, by honoring God and following His commandments? We align ourselves with this higher purpose. Life, then, isn't just about living. It's about thriving. It's about making a difference, touching lives, and leaving a legacy of faith, hope, and love. Embracing this truth brings clarity to our journey in life and adds meaning to every step we take. So remember, we are here to fear God and keep His commandments. And to do this, we have to put God first. Number 9. Know about the unmatched reward. Jesus made a profound promise in Mark 10, verses 29 to 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. Houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. So this isn't a transactional relationship. It's a covenant. When we prioritize God, the rewards aren't just spiritual. They manifest in our everyday lives. We will notice that blessings, favor, open doors, and divine connections become a part of our daily experiences. Above all, the promise of eternal life awaits us. It's an eternity, not just of existence, but of joy, love, and unparalleled communion with God. And does this mean that we won't ever face opposition, discrimination, or persecution because of our faith? No, it doesn't mean that either. Jesus consistently taught that following him might lead to suffering, and this scripture also underscores that message. However, amidst these challenges, when we put God first, we are also assured of victory through Christ, who strengthens and uplifts us in every trial. In other words, the enemy won't have the final say. God does. Let us look again at the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. 
After squandering his inheritance and living a life away from his father, the son decides to return home, expecting rebuke. He is instead met with an overwhelming embrace and celebration from his father. This story illustrates God's grace and the unmatched reward awaiting those who return to him. Just like the father who throws a grand celebration for his returned son, God celebrates each of us. The reward is not based on our worthiness, but on his boundless love. Know that every sacrifice made, every challenge faced in the name of faith, is recognized and rewarded by God. And beyond the material and tangible, there lies the profound peace and joy of knowing we are cherished and valued. The rewards God offers aren't just for a moment. They echo into eternity, shaping our existence beyond this life. Now, in Revelation 3 verse 20, God extends an open invitation saying, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. This isn't about a distant God up in the heavens. It's about a loving Father at our doorstep, waiting to be invited in. It's up to us to make that choice, to open our hearts and let Him reign supreme in our lives. Consider this. The beauty of the gospel lies in its power to transform. When we embrace these truths and place God at the pinnacle of our priorities, our lives experience a profound transformation. So if you believe that you have placed God first in your life and there is no positive transformation, you need to do some introspection and ask for God's guidance and always remember to be patient and trust God's timing. By making God our utmost priority, we move from merely going through the motions to living with purpose and intent. And those challenges we encounter, they evolve into opportunities for growth. As for the blessings, expect them to manifest as daily miracles in your life. The promise is clear. Put God first in your life, and your life will undoubtedly never be the same. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, everlasting Father, almighty God. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of heaven and earth. You are the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, I am grateful for your faithful promises, your amazing grace, your everlasting love, and your mercies that endures forevermore. Lord, I thank you for the gift of life, and I thank you for the many blessings you have given to me. Father, I humbly approach your throne of grace acknowledging my sins, my mistakes, and my shortcomings. Forgive me of my trespasses, as I also forgive all those who have trespassed against me. Lord, forgive me for the times I've placed other things above you. For moments, I've let the pleasures of this world distract me from your eternal promises. 
In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that every chain of idolatry and distraction in my life is broken, and I rebuke every spirit of confusion and worldly temptation that tries to pull me away from your presence by the authority of the blood of Jesus. I claim emotional, physical, and spiritual healing over every part of my being. I declare, in the name of Jesus, that the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead flows through my veins, revitalizing and renewing my spirit, mind, and body. Merciful Father, I pray for divine protection over my life and the life of my loved ones. Lord, I ask that you command your mighty angels to stand guard around us, shielding us from all harm or evil. Father, you are our provider, and I ask for your abundant blessings to overflow in our lives. May you guide our paths and draw us closer to you. Lord, help us to prioritize you above all things and experience the fullness of joy that only you can give. Father, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, I thank you for each heart that is humbled before you right now. For those who are feeling lost, may you be their saving grace and guiding light. For those who are burdened, may your Holy Spirit be their comforter and grant them peace. For those struggling with their priorities, may you grant them the conviction to put you first and the discernment to choose what truly matters. And for those in need of your touch, may you bring them healing, vitality, and restoration. Heavenly Father, we come into agreement as a faith-filled community, and we thank you for the rewards and benefits you have promised us. In your word, we ask for the strength and wisdom to always seek your kingdom first, to reorder our priorities, and to embrace the joy and transformation that comes from your divine guidance. Lord, I thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, Amen. If you were blessed by this message, type the word Amen in the comments section below. I declare that all the blessings of this prayer are now upon you. In the name of Jesus, you can help us to reach more persons and spread the gospel. You can do this by sharing the video with a friend or family member who you know.
hallelujah. Miss Yolanda Adams this morning, I want to be ready. And then we heard, put God first. I'm looking back at some things. I've, I've decided on some things. I decided the prayer and the word of God is more important in my life than anything else. Because daily we're preparing for his return. And we know not the day nor the hour when he will return. And many times we're focused on the things that's happening uh, with us and to us every day. And we're looking at things that's in the natural, uh, what we can feel, what we can touch, what we can see. But if we look out and if we listen, uh, some of us watch the news, some of us see what's happening on Facebook, CNN, and Fox, and all these other places, and you will see that the signs are there that he's coming back. And it's not long, because a lot of things he said would happen before he returned has already happened or happening. So it's time for us to prepare for his return daily. Keep our mind on him. Keep our mind on the things of him. Or we're going to endure some people. We're going to endure some things. But all these trials come to make us strong in him. And today we need to get serious about preparing. Again this morning, we know not a day, nor the hour when God is returning. We got to work on letting go of our flesh. Let your flesh die so that God can live. So that his way can be our way. So that our ways would be his way. And we will end up in a place that's good. Yeah. Because we've gone through so much here. We don't want to die and go to hell and continue to go through hell. Uh-uh. When we leave here, we want to leave here knowing that there's better for us. One day he's going to call our name. Hallelujah. And we will hear him say, well done, that good and faithful servant. Yeah, we want to make sure our name is in that Lamb book of life. When he opened the page, he knew exactly what page our name is on. Yeah. To whom much is given, much is required. It takes something to get something. Many times we just want to get. You know, we don't want to go through anything. We don't want to do anything. We just want God to just shovel out to us. And we just sit back and reap the benefits. But what we got to do is work unto him while it's day. But when night comes, no man can see. Listen. The harvest is plenteous. But the labors are few. And we pray that the Lord of the harvest will send more laborers. But today, we want to remember the labor that he called and chose us for, or called or chose us for. Because many are called, but few are chosen. So we want to get it right with him. When I tell you this is the most serious time, it is very serious to get it right with God. I sit in my favorite spot in the garage and I talk to the Lord about things. And I can remember crying one day, Lord, I thank you. 
See, because what I realized is where I wasn't, but yet he was there for me. Hey, glory. He won't leave me. He won't forsake me. He's going with me until the end. And when he speaks to us, you may not hear out of your of a voice, but you, you you know something is going on. You you can hear God. Yeah. Do this, do that. It'll come real strong to you, the things that you should be doing. And we want to do that. Yeah. A while back, he spoke to me about some things concerning TV. Because I was just looking at me some TV. Yeah, because we all like to be entertained. And so we, I'm looking at TV. And uh, because I got Tubi and Hulu and Voodoo and this and that. And and it just come to me, hey, let some of this go. You, You don't have to watch all this stuff. Let this go and reach out to the Lord. If you're going to watch TV, watch something with substance. Not all the shoot action, bang, bang, shoot them up, this, that. Because TV is just raggedy to me today. It, it's, it's not good to watch. Unless you got your own stuff that you're watching. Mm-hmm. And I did that a long time ago. I got what I like to watch. Yeah. So we need something milder, something that will help us remember God. And everything we do, we need to do what will help us to remember him. Because things come every day that will throw us off balance. People will make us angry. We get aggravated. We get frustrated. Yeah, people take from us. People say things. All kind of stuff is coming. But these are trials, and they come to make us strong. And we are overcome by our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Yeah, we're going to testify unto the truth, which is Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to testify unto him, through him, to the Father, Jehovah God. Yeah, we're going to talk back and tell what he's done. Everywhere we go, we're going to make known his deeds among the people. Yeah, I'm beginning to do work on that in me to do that even more. Listen, for my birthday Tuesday, I took off, and I had to get some things done, this, that, and the other. And yesterday, I had an early morning appointment that I didn't make. But anyway, God have a purpose and a plan for everything. And I said, Lord, because the day before the computer went to acting a pure donkey, I said, Lord, you don't want me to do that show on Wednesday. But I believe you're bringing me back on Thursday. And that's what he did this morning. Everything went just as smooth. See, when it's it's his will, and we paying attention to what's going on. Oh, come on, come on, it's taking too long. Hold up. Have the patience to wait because you're escaping something. And God is holding it up so that it'll pass, so that when you go through, there will be no problem. Yeah, got lots of things for my birthday. Ooh, this year, if he didn't pour out to me, I don't know who did. He blessed me. Got four new Michelin ties. If you know about Michelin ties, <laughs> you know they some good ties. Got front and back brakes done. Rotaries, all of this stuff. 
Yeah, went back and got a sensor put in, but new for the time, you know, because in the winter, the, the, if it's real, real cold, my lighter come on to let me know to go and have the tires adjusted. I have all weather tires. In the summer, when it gets super hot in Florida, the lighter come on. Go have your tires adjusted. Yeah. So God really blessed me. I had a, a church service last Saturday and people came who I wanted to come. And when I tell you who came is who God sent. I was going to get the sensor put in for the tires uh, Tuesday morning, which was my birthday. And I get a phone call from this lady. I had heard from her in a while. We go way back. And uh, we talked and laughed. She wished me a happy birthday and told me what she put on Facebook for me. And we talked on. But as we talked on and we was coming to the ending of the conversation about the birthday, you know, I went to tell her something, and the Lord began to speak out my mouth, and her, and you could feel it. She said, who I feel that? Yes, ma'am, because he's doing that. Over on my Facebook page, I got a lot of happy birthday wishes. Sherry Brown came over there, Willie Brown, you know, Willie Brown and Woody, his wife, Sherry, beautiful sister. She come over there, and under there, God had me to type what he was doing for her. Now, I know Sherry ain't paid too much attention because sometimes people can't believe that because he's speaking out of a human being's mouth. So they're not looking at God speaking out of this person. They are looking at the person. Oh, they telling me this to make me feel better. Oh, they telling me this. No, I don't tell you stuff to make you feel better. And I don't tell you stuff to get in with you. I don't tell you stuff to become your good friend. No, that's not me. Whatever he give me, I give to you. And once I give it to you, I'm done. People have called me back or, or text me back or email me back and say, remember you told, I don't remember that sugar. And the reason I don't remember, I didn't tell you. God spoke it. So I'm going to need you to go to him and say, Lord, remember you said, yeah, tell him. Because he's able to bring it to pass. You can even ask him, Lord, when will this take place? I have patience to wait. If it's 10 years from now, God, I have the patience to wait on you. I'm human. And you know me. And Lord, I just want to know. When will this take place? How do you want to go to him? Because he's still giving stuff and things. He's still blessing the natural. He's still keeping us alive, keeping a roof over our head, food in our belly. The sun is still coming out in the day and not scorching us. The moon is still coming out at night and not freezing us. The water is still being held back from the land. The seasons are still changing. Winter. Spring, summer, fall, it's still happening. We're still able to drive our vehicles. We're still able to go to work. We're still able to go to the bank. We're still able to go to the grocery store. Things that, We're still able to shop for clothes and shoes and yada and yada. Oh, so much stuff, especially in America. But I'm saying today, we must get ready. And, and getting ready. We have to deny ourselves. Pick up the cross and follow him. Yeah. 
Pick up your cross and follow him. And when your cross get too heavy for you to bear, if you call upon him, he'll come and help you carry it a little bit further. Because, see, he needed some help to carry his up Calvary's hill. Anybody remember that? They singled out a man, and they tried to make it something. I don't know. He was a black man. It don't make a difference. He was the man that they chose to help him carry that cross up to Calvary's hill, up top, because he couldn't carry it no longer. It was too heavy. He had bad enough. They had punished him, beat him all night long, they tell me. Brutal punishment. And sometimes we go through some brutal things. Sometimes we lose children. We lose mothers. We lose fathers, close friends, husbands, brothers. We lose some things. Sometimes the job comes to an end, and we don't know where the next move. We don't know where the next job at. Sometimes the money is running out, but the bills are constantly coming. And then, on top of all of this, somebody lie on you. Woo, and I'm talking about everybody, even your family members looking at you off of a lie. You're carrying that cross, and you're headed up Calvary's Mountain. Hallelujah. You need some help this morning. Hey, glory. Hallelujah. He's the one that can help you bat his cross. He's the one can help you get it on up to Calvary. <laughs> Ooh, because you already feel like you're being stretched out. You already feel like they're putting the nails in your hand and your feet. Hallelujah. About to lift you up. All glory to his majesty. But he promised never to leave us, not forsake us again this morning. He said he would be with us until the end. And he is not a lying God. Oh, and I thank him for that. Hallelujah, that his word hold true. And whatever he set out for his word to do, that's what it's going to do. When I look at Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Here come the promise for you, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. But many times we get it twisted. We want the latter before we obey the instructions. I've had people to quote back Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 as Proverbs 5, 3 through all kind of stuff. That's because you really didn't pay attention. And you're really not holding on to that word right there. But that scripture is there have brought me a many years from 90, well, from the early, the middle 80s, I'm going to say, or the late 80s, all the way until February 29th, 2024. That scripture there has helped me to keep a sound mind. That scripture there has kept me to trust God, to keep the faith in him, to go a little bit further, trust in him, not me. That scripture kept me from stressing, from having a heart attack or stroke. That scripture there kept me that in the midst when my daughter passed or my daughter went to sleep to take her final rest, I yet could stand. I yet could obey God because I trusted. Hey, glory. Hallelujah. And that's where we got to get today. Trust in him. Not what we see, not what we hear, but trust in God. And if we get in the word and let the word get in us, we'll be able to do all of this. 
prayer will mean so much more to us because this is all we got. This is all we need. It's the best medicine for our ailments. Hallelujah. Listen, this morning we're going to hear an ex-gang member. And this man was shot two times. And he was supposed to be dead. But we're going to hear uh, how God blessed him and uh, how God brought him and what God took him through so that he would know. It's no joke. It's, it's not something somebody's saying to you. This is real. And I want to show you because this is not where I want you to end up. You know, sometimes God will give us a way out. Sometimes God will bless us that we don't have to perish, but we must pay attention. And sometimes God has to bring traumatizing things to shake us because when he just brings simple stuff, we ignore it. The, 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 the spirit of the Lord will speak to us, we are ignored. So sometimes God has to allow traumatizing things so that we'll pay attention. Hallelujah. So let's go in and take a listen to this young man. I joined the gang at a very young age, between the age of 12 and 13. I had a rough life. You know, Chicago was a hard place to grow up. Um, unfortunately, I took that route. Um, years have passed, and I pretty much mastered the craft, so to speak, of the streets. Give my life to, I consider them like a family to me. And come to find out, they stabbed me in the back and set me up to get me killed. Hey, wait a minute, something is not right. And I had a weird feeling in my gut about this guy. All of a sudden, I, I looked up, and the guy looked at me with a smirk. He just kind of like an uh, evil grin, like, I got you. It was just like a, mm, it was so evil. But I just remember everything moved in slow motion, and I fell back. This kind of darkness is not a darkness that's here on Earth. Um, this darkness is alive. So as I'm falling, I knew this was hell. And then I heard the screams of the people. And the first thing I noticed were these demons, things. They're the most grotesque smelliest part of Hollywood can't even get close to how these things look. Um, they're so deformed. They had a uh, reptilian look, reptile look to them. And their eyes were glowing yellow. Some of them eyes were red. Some of them were like 13 feet tall. Some of them were this big. Hi, welcome to Touching the Afterlife. I'm excited to have Dominic with us today. Dominic has a powerful testimony. He grew up in Chicago on the streets in a gang. He was shot twice. He was taken out of his body and went to hell. His wife actually reached out to me and announced to him so that he can share his powerful testimony, and he's bravely here today to do so. And so I'm thankful to have you hear this powerful testimony. Welcome with me today, Dominic. Hi, Dominic. Hello. Hi. How are you? Thank you for having me today. Oh, really appreciate it. Yes, I'm so thankful that you came on here to share. And so I know this is your first time sharing, correct? Publicly uh, on, on a digital platform, yes. Okay. Yes, it is. So, Dominic, why don't you begin and start where you want to start? I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois, like you stated at the beginning. Um, you know, I, I joined the gang at a very young age, between the age of 12 and 13. I had a rough life. You know, Chicago was a hard place to grow up. Um, my father wasn't around, unfortunately, so the streets became my father. Um, and you know, growing up like that, you have so many different influences, you don't know what's right. You think everything, someone's older than you that you look up to is right. So I thought, you know, the gang life, the gang culture, having money, uh, everything was a righteous way to live because that's all this program to us in our community. Um, unfortunately, I took that route. 
Um, years have passed and I pretty much mastered the craft, so to speak, of the streets. And uh, after a while, I just became hardened. Um, I became a hardened person, you know. Um, but there was something always in my mind here and there, you know, like the Holy Spirit would kind of whisper things in my ear, certain places, certain things that would tell me I shouldn't be at places, but, you know, we don't listen as humans. You know, we want to uh, please our flesh first, and that's what ended up happening. I uh, dedicated more of my life to the streets, more into uh, just getting money and just being selfish. And um, years have passed, and I put a lot of trust into my family, which uh, my former gang, I don't want to name the actual organization, but the street organization that I did uh, give my life to. I considered them like a family to me. And come to find out, they stabbed me in the back and set me up to get me killed. Um, you know, and uh, it, it, was, it was pretty hurtful. It's still, you know, to this day, you know, I, I'm getting my trust back thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. I had a lot of trust issues because of that, but the Lord has, you know, redeemed me from those trust issues, and I'm getting better and better in trusting people again. But um, just to go on further to say is that um, around, it was like 2009 and on so forth that my life really started to change. Uh, I just started noticing a difference uh, around the people I was hanging around, and one day uh, we noticed this guy was really just following, following us. And Chicago was pretty big, um, in the uptown area especially. Uh, just in a district alone, it's like, like 500,000 people just within that district. So just to see, you know, I kept seeing this guy, and to run to a person three times in an hour, that's, that's kind of impossible at home unless someone is following me. So I told my friend, I looked, I said, hey, this guy is following me. You know, and my guy, oh, you're paranoid. Nobody's thinking about you. You're not big time like that. So I was okay. But the second time I saw him, I said, hey, wait a minute. Something is not right. And I had a weird feeling in my gut about this guy. You know, um, so I guess an hour had passed and I, I just brushed it off, but I was coming outside my building and I saw him again. I said, okay, I'm going to go up to the guy and ask him where I know him from. And as I approached him, he said, hey, do you have a light, a lighter? Uh, so as I was digging my pocket, I was going to say, sir, but then all of a sudden I saw a green flash. It was a bright green flash and I smelled sulfur. It smelled like burning matches. That's what I remember distinctively, that the smell of like matches if you set a matchbook on fire. Um, all of a sudden, I looked up, and the guy looked at me with a smirk, and he just kind of like an uh, evil grin, like, I got you. It was just like a, mm, it was so evil, but I just remember everything moving in slow motion, and I fell back. Uh, when I fell backwards, this is where the supernatural part started. This is when my life changed. Um, when I fell backwards, everything went blank, dark. But this kind of darkness is not a darkness that's here on Earth. Um, this darkness is alive. It's a gripping darkness. I mean, it was so dark, like I was saying, that you can blindfold yourself, put yourself under the ground, blindfold yourself again, and it still doesn't compare to this type of darkness. It's a spiritual component to the darkness that I was in. But the weirdest part was when I fell backwards, I started instantly falling forward. I was falling down face forward as I fell backwards. That was the weirdest part. That's the spiritual aspect of it. But as I'm falling, mm -hmm. it's, I don't even know how to measure it, you know. They say the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. It was faster than that. It was, uh, it was just going. But the further I'm going down, just falling and falling, falling, the more and more I felt like I was getting stripped of everything. I knew I was getting stripped of the things that God gave me that I took for granted, like hope, love, uh, you know, fellowship, patience, everything. The further I was falling down fast, everything was getting stripped from me, and I was getting more and more afraid. But this is a different type of fear. It's not a fear like here on earth. It's a different fear that, that uh, you have to experience. Like the Lord says, you know, there's a difference between reading and talking, but experience. But uh, there's no other way. I'm going to try to get close as I can to explain this. 
because there's a lot of things spiritually that can't be put on this in words here on this earth in this dimension, so to speak. But as I'm falling and I'm falling, I'm feeling more and more frightening. I started hearing the first thing I noticed was laughter around me. As I'm falling, it was like the, this laughter, and it was like these giggling little like like a like a. But the laugh itself, they were laughing. I felt it. It was a different type of laugh. It was a demonic hatred. Like I just knew whatever was laughing at me hated me, hated me more than like with anything you can even describe. But as I'm falling, I hear this laughter. The second thing that caught my attention was this horrible smell. See, people don't realize when, when you leave the physical body, you still have your five senses. You still, you still have them, but the thing is they're upgraded, they're modified. They're very more modified. I mean, times a million. Your sight, your hearing, your vision, your touch, everything, is, you still have those things. So this is not a fairy tale where people, you know, uh, been taught that when you die, you just pass away. Everything's completely different. Yeah, it is different, but your senses are highly modified. But I smelt the smell, and the smell, uh, I can even just talking about it right now, so I'm sorry if I pause a little bit, because this, uh, a lot of this comes back to me, and I still get a little emotional, but um, the smell alone is so bad, like, I can't even describe it. There's nothing. You can, you can have a, a, a thousand quarts and, and, and dead animals and whatever you want to put into the mush. It smells like Febreze compared to what I smell uh, mm-hmm. in hell, the way it smells. So as I'm falling, I'm falling, then I notice a little light, and it was so small, the pinpoint of light, and I heard, and as I'm falling, it's getting bigger and bigger, and then that's when it hit me. I knew, and I thought it was a fairy tale. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I just thought hell was a, a fairy tale. I thought it was a place of fantasy. I thought it was a scare tactic used by religions. Um, I knew. I said, I'm going to hell. See, time doesn't exist over in eternity the way it exists here. So all the time that I'm falling, people say, how would you have time? Time doesn't exist the way you, you can't even fathom it. Eternity stop, it has no time. So as I'm falling, I knew this was hell. And then I heard the screams of the people. Uh, yeah. The screams and the yells of the, while as I'm falling, and this portal, may I call it the portal, was getting bigger. You can just hear it. And I knew it had to be billions. Hundreds of millions of billions of people down there. I mean, screaming, and then their screams are gut-wrenching. The same way I heard those demonic laughs, I can feel it in my gut and feel it in my soul. Those screams were worse because it was suffering. It was blasphemous things being yelled. Uh, it, it was just, just horrible, you know, people begging for one more chance. I mean, the thing is, when you're in the spirit, you can, you can hear a thousand noises at one time, but you can decipher and know each one, whether they plan simultaneously or not. You can distinctively know and hear everything. You know, like I say, it's hard to explain, but that's the closest I can get to it. But as I fall and I see this portal, it looked like old um, cave, like I'm, I'm entering an old cave system. Okay, and, uh, and then that's when I felt the heat. See, uh, now I'm looking back on it. It probably already was hot when I got closer to it, but I was so shocked and so terrified by everything else. I didn't pay attention to the heat until I actually got into the first portion of the portal. And then that's when the heat hit me on top of everything. It was just a bombarded of everything. And, you know, here on Earth, in our physical bodies, um, we feel things separately, meaning, like, you know, our nervous system. So if you get poked in your back, you get punched or something like that, you can, you can feel it just kind of in that spot. But no, there you feel it all simultaneously at one time. Pain, everything. It, it gripped it's your whole body because you, now I'm learning I was in my spirit body. 
I'm so used to being in my, I was so used to being in my physical body, it didn't make any sense to me. But when I felt this heat, it's a different fabric. It's a different, it's a different fabric of heat. It's not like how you burn your finger here. It's a spiritual component to it because it's, uh, it is very, it's a different type of hot. I don't even, you know, uh, I'm trying my best to describe the heat, but the heat is so, it is beyond, it's beyond. I mean, just say if I wanted to put it on a temperature scale, I would say 12,000 degrees and up. And nothing, nothing physical here, especially in the flesh, could withstand that. So, but as I'm falling, and I enter this portal, and I feel the heat, I'm hearing the yells, it's like it's just so overwhelming. And at this time, by the time I got to the bottom, I just knew I was in hell, and I knew I was going to hell. But once I passed the portal, all I remember is when I hit, I hit the bottom, I didn't feel anything when I first hit. So I don't, I, I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, I was asking, was it the Lord that softened the blow when I first hit? But when I fell and I, and I raised my eyes, it felt like I haven't, uh, I had no strength. I felt like I hadn't eaten for like months. Um, I couldn't breathe. It was just, it was horrible. Just a feeling of just nothing. And then but the only thing that kept coming to my mind was, and I, I know the Lord did this purposely, was thinking that everything that I took for granted, movement, a drink of water, you know, just to have the ability to move my arms just this freely, the, the ability to breathe, all the things that we take for granted, it was going through my mind. I knew it came from God. I, I just, like, you know, and I knew I took it for granted. And there, first thing is I look over. See, it was dark, but I, I'm trying to, you know, wonder if the Lord was making me be able to see. But the flames itself were emitting so high from these fuels, like these vents from the, from the rocks. And that's another thing, too, I want to add. I don't want to move too fast, but one thing I do want to add, for somehow, for some reason, I knew I was still here on Earth. I still knew I wasn't in outer space somewhere. I wasn't under space. I was in a different dimension, but I was still on Earth. I, I knew that. I knew it's here on Earth. So the Lord is right. Hell is a place on Earth. The scriptures are right. It is here on Earth. It's just a different dimension. Um, so as I'm looking around, and, and I, I'm just already but i see when the, when the flames they come up and then you can see the illumination from the flames you can see and the first thing i noticed were these demons things they're the most grotesque smelliest hard hollywood can't even get close to how these things look um they're so deformed uh they had legs and twisted arms but they had a reptilian look a reptile look to them and their eyes were glowing yellow. Some of them eyes were red. Some of them were like 13 feet tall. Some of them were this big. They're everywhere. And there's bugs. There's spiders. And there's just everything. But what really caught my attention was these pits everywhere. And this one demon glanced at me, and he started laughing. But down in the pits were just people. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, just people. But then I thought it was just one pit. As you really look around, and the, the flames illuminate all of the space around there's, I would say, hundreds of thousands of pits. And then with, within each pit are thousands of people. Okay, And then around the pits, you have nothing but these grotesque demon reptil reptilian or reptile-like things making sure they don't crawl out. Uh, it was horrible. You have people who look like bone. I would say they look like bones. Some of them were bones with actually flesh hanging off, which is incomprehensible to some people to even imagine how, you know, uh, but the things that I saw and the tortures that I saw is that you, you, you regenerate. So just say if your arm falls off, it'll grow right back so you can get tortured again. It's a place of pure torture, like torture. Hell is no, it's no relief. 
There's nothing. But as I'm looking at this one demon, he was about eight feet tall. He looked at me and laughed. And then all I remember was these thousands of maggots, worms, and they're like thick. They're, they're thick. They look, they're thick as soda cans. Okay, they're not like regular maggots here in this dimension. They are thick and they're big. And they, and they, they, start, they started to chew at my feet. And then once it, was, once it was a few of them, when I looked down, there was hundreds of them. They started to make a mound around me, up to my knees, of these maggot, demonic maggots. I don't even know what to really, how to explain it. Um, but that was the least of my worries, because I felt getting a, a hand picked me up from the back of my head, and it flung me, it flew. Now, as I flew, okay, now remember, you have no energy, you have no, there's no nothing even just when i laid down i couldn't get back up but now i'm realizing you know uh, in, in hindsight that the lord was with me because um a lot of these these demons they wanted to attack me they wanted to rip me apart and i can just feel the hatred the hatred that they have for mankind the hatred that they have for us it is beyond anything it is beyond and you can feel it's ancient and you can feel it is powerful it is power in their hate it is so powerful. Um, yeah. All right, one second. Okay. Because people don't understand that these demons feed off our depression. They feed off our anxiety. They feed off our aggression. They feed off our hate. They just feed off of us. So that's why they cause in the background. They don't have the power to make us do it, but they have the power to influence situations that make us do these things. And they feed off that. And that's one thing I've learned. Uh, the hatred for us. That's why I love all mankind. Because the hatred they have for us, it would make you love all mankind and stick together against these beings. Really. We have, you know, all the visions that are caused are just an illusion. You know. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's one thing. That's, that's what I learned from that. But as I was laying on the ground, I'm sorry, I just had to just reiterate that point. But as I'm laying and I can't get up. And the thing is, in reality, I wasn't breathing. There's no oxygen down there. I think it was it was more mental, psychological because I was so used to being in the physical. So I'm trying to trying to breathe, and I'm realizing. So I'm barely standing up, and that's when I I, I think the Lord showed me it was the whole hell of this section because hell has sections. I'm going to explain that soon. It has many sections. It was illuminated for me where I can just see everything. And when I tell you the tortures, the the Wow. I mean, it is beyond the stretch of your imagination. Um, and people say, you know, why would God let that happen to us? Why did God send you there? Why did they blame God? But they never blame the enemy for anything when they were here on this earth. Um, but one thing that I noticed when you're in hell and when you're in eternity in the spirit body, you can look at a person inside hell and you know why they're there. You instantaneously know, you, you know why that person is there. I've seen people there for unforgiveness. I've seen people there who thought they were the, 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 the best in the church saying, why did you do this to me? I've seen pastors there. I've seen even some teen, preteens in hell. I've seen a lot of people who think they're doing the right thing, but they're, no. Uh, like, for example, the first lady who I saw getting tortured individually, not the people in the pits, they were, there were two demons, and they were laughing, these reptile things, and they had her mouth, and they stretched her mouth so far back, like to rip her jaw open, and they were pouring lava down her throat and sticking her throat with spears and just like these old ancient-looking rusty daggers, and they were getting a kick, and it was horrible. But then the, the fact is, 
She turned the bone, she was breaking up, and then she would rejuvenate. And they would do it all over again, and over again, and over. And they were taking turns. They were inviting other demonic spirits. They were laughing. They were having fun torturing this lady. And when I looked, and I, I really knew, I, 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 this has to be the Lord, I already knew why she was there. She was there because not only was she a gossiper, she was gossiping about people. She got many people life turns because of her tongue, and she was an alcoholic. And I'm starting to, it, it, there was a, a theme in hell. I started to notice because people commit a lot of, sale, uh, uh, of sins on a wide spectrum. But the one that sticks out the most is the one that, that's going to rectify, that you're going to get inside hell. So let's say, you know, a person who is promiscuous, and that, that's another one. I'm going to keep it not explicit, but I saw a young lady in, in, in hell. Um, there were demons literally taking turns having sex with this woman. And when I say it's not regular sexual intercourse, it was beyond mine. I mean, I, I can't say too much to describe, but all I can say is that she was very promiscuous when she was here on this earth. And they were torturing her in ways that you can't even imagine. So, yeah, I was just saying the biggest sins that I started to know, I started noticing that pattern. The biggest sins that you have, because like I said, everybody sins on different spectrums and think it's nothing. It does, no, everything counts. Everything counts. And it's not God, our Father, up there taking a list of you. And also says in the Bible that the flesh will testify against itself. So, people, that is real. Your flesh testifies against you. Your flesh needs desires. That's why he always tells us to get away from pleasing our own flesh. Because we're going to put ourselves there. The Lord cries. The Lord heart aches for us. Every one of us that go to hell, he does not want that. He does not want that for us at all. It really tears him apart to see us in that predicament. But um, it's back to the tortures, unfortunately. That was only one section. And I thought, and that, that's mind-blowing. That was only one section with the pits. So I thought, that no, no, no. And I think the Lord was with me. I don't know if anybody ever had a dream before where you couldn't see the person's face, but you know somebody was there standing with you. I know the Lord was with me, but I never saw him. But I knew he was the one directing me and protecting me because these things wanted to eat me and tear me apart. But the second thing I remember is another section of hell. And that's another thing. When you move in hell, there's no really walking around when he's showing you. It's like you instantaneous. It's like teleportation. When I teleported to this other part of hell, okay, I saw these cells. Okay, and I grew up in skyscrapers, uptown Chicago. Grew up on the 16th floor in uh these things were taller than that. These things had to be 50 stories tall, and there was a row of them. All the way, is your, your eyes can see, looking up. And they have open old bar cells, and there are people in them. There are people in them. Some of them look like skeletons. Some of them were just burned, like, to a crisp. And they're cursing God, and they were just very angry, very angry to be there. There was no repentance. There was no asking for another chance. Those are the ones who were just very angry at and our Lord, they were very angry. Some of them even started looking like almost a reptilian look because of the hatred coming out of them. And also, I noticed some of them been there for thousands of years. See, that's the thing. Uh, people don't understand. Time doesn't exist in eternity. It doesn't. The clock stops. And I realized that. I saw people there who were there 2,000 years, 4,000. And just, you just know the ancientness of it. I saw all different languages. All di it doesn't discriminate. The devil doesn't discriminate at all. The whole end point is to get you there. That's it. So all of this, while we're, we're messing around with racism, we're messing around with judging others of, of economic status, which is just an illusion, by the way. It's about spiritual currency. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's an illusion and it's a trap to get us there. And 
when I saw those cells, that's when things started awaken to me. I saw mostly those who were in those cells were people who dabbled in witchcraft, those who dabbled in sensoria, those who dabbled in all kinds of tarot cards, those who wanted to know the future in astrology. I, I just know, like I told you, once you go there, you know. You can just look at a person and you know while you're there. Um, and mostly I, I saw there was a thing to those people in those cells, and those are the people who worship other gods or the doctrines of demons, is what they call also in the scriptures. Um, and, and what's so terrifying about that is that here, because I, I have my brush with Sanseria, um, unfortunately, growing up, and they promise you everything materialistically. But what they don't tell you is once you worship these, you know, these uh, demons, now that I know they are, I didn't know that before, uh, they make it seem like they're, they're positive, they're good, they're here to help mankind. The non-principalities, and they give you all the wealth you want. You do these rituals and stuff, but you don't realize you owe them. And what you owe them is beyond this earth. You're going to have a spot. They have a spot waiting for you. It reminds me of people who say, well, I didn't know the law. I didn't know. But if you go to court, you will still go to jail. Ignorance is not a way out of it, um, you all. So I'm just telling you, watch what you do. Watch what you confer because um, psychics and all of these mediums and things of that nature, of course they're going to tell you things that are right on purpose because they call it familiar spirits, which I saw them ascending and descending from hell. But that's, I will get to that too. But just be careful, you all, playing with witchcraft, any astrology, any things of that nature, because they have a place just in hell for you. And also the Lord told me that this place grows every day. Actually, it's growing by the second. It's like the, hell is alive. It is a place that it, it is a dimension that is alive. You can even feel it. The, the, the ground of hell, it moves in waves. It's like a, it's a, it's like a wave. You can feel it under your feet. It's as, as if, you know, it's like, kind of like breathing, but I wouldn't consider it breathing. But it just had a, a component the same way the darkness has. It was a lie. It is a lie. That place is a lie. But as I'm looking at the cells, all of a sudden, I feel the, again, now this time I'm standing on the cliff. And I'm looking down, and it looks like a gray area. And it's like uh, dead trees. You know, it, it, it's just like a, a abandoned forest, a dead forest. But it had a path on it. And on the path, there was a people, uh, as far as I can see, they were all chained together. They were all chained up, and they looked like pure skeletons. They had None of them had flesh on them at all. None of them, and they were all chained together. But then as you look farther ahead to where they were going, it was gates. And it was a wall that was so high, and the gates were so high that it, it was, I couldn't understand. But then I felt something, look again. I looked. Those were the gates of hell. So the place that I thought was already hell wasn't even the beginning. It wasn't even the beginning. See, I don't want people to understand. And that was just the intro. I thought I was in hell already. But no, 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 no. The gates of hell. And people were marching in chains. So it's like they were going through. The, the, the place that I was at was before hell. But then... It was something so more extreme at the gate once you hit the real dimension in the gates of hell. Um, now that, I was already terrified beyond being terrified, okay? There's nothing on this earth that can even calibrate your mind of the fear that you already feel. Because even when I was there, I'm, I'm going to remind people, here on earth, okay, you can be going through the toughest situations, whether if you're in a hospital, whether if you're in incarceration, um, but you always have people to communicate with. You always have fellowship. 
in that dimension, you can be right next to a person and there is no communication. Because that fellowship comes from God. Just to be able to communicate with someone, just to be able to talk, just to be able to have that, that, that corroboration, that bond, that comes from God. So that is stripped away from you. You, you, you. There's no talking to anyone. There's none of those things. So I think I was in pre-hell, but it strips you and gets you so afraid to go to the real experience. And I thought that was the real experience. Okay. Um, and the, the chain of people, it was so long and so long. And as I looked, kept getting longer, growing, growing. And I remember as I looked around, there were other people standing on the cliff with me. I didn't even pay attention, but they were along the edge, right end to my left, that circled the cliff. And you hear the people, they, the skeletons, they were looking back, telling us, do not come. They were screaming, like some of them recognized their family members, some of them recognized certain people, and they were telling them, get out of here, do not come here, please don't come, don't come. And I heard things from different languages, I heard stuff in Arabic, because I know Arabic, I know Spanish, and I was hearing different, and from all cultures, I promise, and they were telling everybody, don't come here, don't come here. But the fact is, in my mind, I think the Lord put in my heart and said, it's not our choice no more. It's not up to us. He gave, that time is over with. That's why we need to make use of our time. That's why I tell everyone who I talk to, and I even recommend, I call it the time challenge, okay? All you do is take a sheet of paper, and you put world on it, and you put God on it. Then each day, you ask yourself, but this is, this is for your own personal use only. You don't have to show no one else. Who had more of your time today? Was it God or was it the world? And at the end of each week, you see who won your time. That'll put a better perspective of, of where you're spending your time and who you're spending your time with. You know, uh, I learned so many things. I learned more things in hell. Than, it brought me closer to God than anything I learned on this earth. So I'm glad he gave me the opportunity and brought me out of that. Now, the fortunate part was I made it up to the gates of hell, but he snatched me away. He didn't let me go past. But one thing I can tell you, it is a real, real, real place. It is, it is beyond the descriptive imagination that I, I, I'm just telling you. And I thought the part that I was in was hell. And that was hell. Trust me, it was, it's nothing like it. But this even getting worse. I, I, I can't even fathom that. So you all, every day, every moment, eternity is on the other side of each moment. I want people to pay attention to this. Every moment, eternity is on the next side. Um, unfortunately, I just lost another friend. Um, we lose a lot of people monthly. What we do, spiritual warfare, we lose a lot of people. And they always have plans. They always have plans to change. And I keep telling people, God is not a diet. He's not a diet. You know, people, what I mean by that, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to start eating right next week. I'm going to start next Monday. I'm going to start my diet. And a lot of people do that with God. Well, I'm just going to do this this week, and then next week I'm going to start following the Lord and start getting it right. Well, you're not promised five seconds, so how can you do that? Eternity is waiting for you on each second, each moment. And when I tell you hell and the spiritual life is more real than this life, the sensations of field, all your sensations, all everything is magnified times a million. It is more realistic than this. So I just want people to take it beyond serious. I need people not to put God first, put them in the center of your life, in the center of everything that you're doing. Because hell is waiting for you. And the whole point, and I, a lot of things that I learned when I was in hell, when I was telling you about the, the familiar spirits and a lot of the spirits and a lot of the giants, there's so many giants there. There's so many different the, or hell is highly organized, you all. 
Hell is organized to a T. They have soldiers for everything. Even, I mean, every every addiction, there's a, there's a ranking in the army for that. Lust for big, there's a ranking in the army for lust. There's, I mean, everything, hatred, gossip is organized. And a lot of these things we think is us, but it's really not. But we get attacked and influenced by these things is because we don't have the protection of the Holy Spirit. And when I was in hell, I clearly learned, I saw these familiar, they call familiar spirits. They come from hell and you can see them descending and you know where they're going. They turn to it like a mist. They go back and forth, back and forth because they're reporting. Monitoring spirits as well. They go, they're going all over the place. They go back and forth. They call familiar spirits because everyone, when you're born, you're sent an agent, a spirit, a demon who monitors you, who watches you, who knows your every move, who knows your, 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 your diet, knows your likes, your dislikes, your comforts, your discomfort, know everything about you. Kind of like data mining, what the government does. And what happens is, if you have a psychic, that's what they call mediums, okay? They don't know nothing about you, but what happens is their demon or familiar spirit is communicating with the other person's familiar spirit. So it makes it seem like the medium or the psychic knows about you, but there's nothing but two demons communicating with each other, telling the medium about you. It's all a trap. It's all a trap. That's why you test every spirit, test everything, because I saw in hell, like I'm telling you, these, these things are, are everywhere and constantly, it's so fast there, constantly, so back and forth, back and forth, sending messages, and they report, they have leaders, they have captains, they have generals that they report to. And the Lord showed me all of these things. And people, one thing, too, do not get comfortable in any situation. What I mean by that, you need to start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. I know uh, uh, every day is a fight for me, every day. Because after I had my first experience, when I came back to, thank the Lord, he, he brought me back after I seen the gates of hell. And I stood at the gates of hell. I was right there, and I knew I was going. And the scariest part was, I knew it. I was supposed to be there. That's, a, that's got me emotional right now. I knew I deserved it. I knew that I, I had no excuse. I had no rebuttal. If I was to you know, go to the judgment seat in front of God, I had nothing. All right, I got to accept it because I had no rebuttal for the way I was living my life. I knew I deserved it. And that's the scariest part because you know you're supposed to be there. You know it. But his mercy and his grace, as I'm looking, I thought I was going to see, like, remember, I was telling you about the teleportation from being on a cliff instantly to being in front of the gates of hell. And all I saw, it looked like ancient castles, thousands thousands of miles, thousands of castles. Just, just in the, the, I thought I was scared before. When you pass through the gates, you know it's done. And I already thought that feeling. I already had that feeling, and I would call it pre-health, so to say. But once you pass those gates, it's done. The sentence is done. You're done. You know, as I'm about to approach the gate, and I just knew, it, it's like, I just, okay, there's nothing I can say, nothing I can do. I deserve this. All of a sudden, the same way how I came, oh, I heard the same. I felt like an instant thing. It was so powerful that pulled me. But for, the, for it, like I say, it's no time there, so it's hard to explain. I was going to say for a split second, it just felt so peaceful. I came and I felt a love and a peace that is beyond comprehension, the same way that fear was beyond comprehension. But it was the other side of the spectrum. It was just so caring and so. That's why I live the, my life the way I live it now, because I want that. I want to go back 
just for that little instant that I felt of the Lord to snatch me out, just even his presence, even if he, just being around you, even if he just touch you, the love on his tip of his finger is more love in the whole, than the whole world has. That's how the power, that he snatched me up, I'm instantly, and I just felt, I'm, and I heard a ringing, it's just loud, but it was, shook my whole heart. And I'm back, slammed back into my body. And I'm in a hospital, in a hospital bed. And you know what it felt like? I felt disgusting. I felt horrible. I felt like if, if you was to put on a lot of clothes, heavy clothes, and just get them wet, I felt like I knew I was wearing my body. I literally was wearing this. And I, I know that he should be that, to know that, be of this life. Be, we're in the world, but don't be of it. We're in this body, but this body the body is the vehicle for you to learn things and get closer to him, but that's all it is. It's just a vehicle, you all. But the enemy has made it, so we put everything inside in, in, in our, our, our worth, our time, everything to satisfy the flesh, this vehicle, instead of satisfying the real you, the real spirit you. But as I was in, you know, entered my body, I felt disgusting. I felt horrible, and it took me weeks to shake this feeling off. I mean, I felt disgusting. It was like, where they get the term of flashback? I do believe whoever coined that must have had a similar experience because that's what it's a flashback, you know, until I got acclimated again back into my body. But it, it just, um, and it took a long time for me to, to really get to what happened to me. I even developed a PTSD, you know, over, over the experience. It took the Lord for me because hell is so scary. It is so real, literally. It almost drove me backwards. Instead, of the, 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 the Lord had grace upon me to even show me and to take me out of that. But the, the, it was so horrendous. There's a lot of things that I want to describe about hell that I saw, but it would be totally, uh, I don't even know how to word it. It would be very inappropriate for the language that I would have to use to be able to describe it. All I want people to know is that whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, whatever you maximize, that's the sin, that's the opposite, that's what you're going to experience over and over and over and over. And I thought that was it. Obviously, they're just getting prepped to go through the real gates of hell. So I haven't had that experience to go through those gates. But pre-hell to me is beyond anything that I can even, and that's what I pointed, pre-hell. And I thought that was it. Because that, that torture and that, that, that torture in that realm is so beyond, it is beyond. Like, I can't even describe it, like I say, in words. But it's so horrific. No. So I can imagine when you go into the permanent, your permanent spot, real hell, the permanent hell, may I say, instead of pre-hell. But you all, everything that you do, like I said, the father's not up there taking account. He's not up there taking account. You do it to yourself. Because, well, like I was telling this gentleman last week, actually, that God is not taking tabs on you. Because, first of all, God, he lives in you. He lives in all of us. Okay. So when you're doing these things, he's there with you. He's there with you. There's no escaping it. There's no hiding. That's why he always puts on my heart, who are you when no one's around? Who are you when no one's looking or listening? Who are you? Are you deceptive? Are you, are you, are you a kind person when you're by yourself, just like you are when you're in front of people? See, he wants people to be authentic. All of, the, you know, all of this stuff, just because you're showing off in front of people, you're very nice, but behind the scenes, you're greedy, you're lustful, you're, you're, you're judging people on your mind. But in public, you're a volunteer, you're great at your church, you donate, you're in the choir, you're a deacon, everybody thinks you're great. No, that really doesn't count. It counts. 
if you're authentic, if you're doing it for the sincerity of pleasing the Lord, not yourself, not your self-gratification, not your self-credentials, not just to look good in front of your community or the world. It's about being authentic because he also put them, there are people who've been negative and evil their whole life, but they have one sincere prayer. They were so authentically and they authentically crave him a slave clean. I mean, literally, because they were authentically wanted to be with him. They authentically apologized. They authentically wanted to repent. That's why I tell you people, he's not the, the, the Lord everybody thinks he's been painted to be. He is full of love, but he is very stern. He is very stern. Me and my wife were just talking about this. I, you know, a, a lot of these churches these days, unfortunately, have painted him to be a very soft, demasculated, you know, it's just all love, all everything, it's just everything is forgiven. But people fail to realize, you need to read the book of uh, Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 26, where it clearly states, that if you have the knowledge thereof and you repeat the same sins, there is no sacrifice that can save you from your sins. So there is no such thing as you can do what you want to do and pray about it and think you can just pray and then keep doing what you're doing. No, no, no. I think people need to take the scripture seriously. Not only, you know, because I'm a pastor myself, but stop depending on your pastors and have your own personal relationship. Take time to read the scriptures yourself. Take the time to start spending time with him with him alone to build a personal relationship because you don't want to be that guy or a woman to go in front of him. And what do you say? I don't know you. You workers of iniquity, move around. I don't know you. He's very stern. He, he, he's not, especially when he returns, he puts it on my heart every day. When he returns, it's not going to be what you think it's going to be. It's not going to be everybody's clapping and kumbaya. No, when he returns, it's about business and his father's business. He is not playing with no one. So you, you all, it, this is not to scare you, but sometimes the truth, it, it, you know, that's what's wrong with us in our society, especially here in the Western Hemisphere. We want to be pampered. We want the truth according to the way we wanted to hear it. What did Timothy say? What do you, what do you say? The tickling of our ears? We just, want, we just want what we want to hear. And that's, that's, not, that's not the case. You know, and it's tough love. And that's where he, he shows us. So I just need everybody to take every story that you hear on this channel. With, 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 with truth. Don't take it with a grain of salt and just let it get you fired up for a day or two and then you lose the spirit. I know many of those people because I was one of them. I actually had this experience and then had the nerve to lose the flame for a while. Mm. You know, so no, 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 no. That's what the enemy wants because their whole goal is to get you to hell. Their whole goal is to get your attention away. In the moment that you're dying, you're not dying in a godly manner. That's the whole thing. It's a, it's a system and it's a strategy. Because let's say, for example, if you do go meet the Lord, he says, okay, you spent 120,000 hours playing video games, right? You spent 100,000 hours watching football or basketball, and you, you listen to music for 200,000 hours, but you only spend 14 hours looking for me authentically? What could you say behind that? Nothing. Just like I didn't have an argument when I was born, when I was in hell. I, could, I had no argument. There is no argument. We waste our time on fruitless things. And hell is waiting behind each. Each is waiting, just loving it. When you're sitting around watching the game, there's nothing wrong because the Lord wants us to relax. At the relaxation time is more your, with your time with him. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's, that's a huge problem. And I just tell it how it is, and that's, that's what I do. That's what he commissioned me to do. 
And that's what I do. I'm not going to sugarcoat for people. They're taking their time. And then the first thing they do when they're in trouble, guess who they call out for? You notice that? God. I know people all the time, they don't believe in them. But they say, hey, uh, Pastor Dominic, could you pray for me? I got to go to court. Well, could you pray for me because I'm sick? But all this I've been trying to get you when things were going well, you don't want to have nothing to do with our Lord. But as soon as you're in trouble, you want to, now you want to, oh, okay. See, God is not to be mocked. If we want to take that, why do you think the creator would take that? If we think we were used, right, because I wouldn't stand for that. If the only time my wife called me is when she needs something. Don't want to spend no time with me, but the only time when I hear from her is if she needed something. I wouldn't go for that. You wouldn't go for that. So why do we think our Lord and our Godfather would go for that? Only time we want to, now we want to believe in him is when we need something or when we're in trouble. Yeah. See, all of this stuff comes into account. All of this stuff will add you to your journey to hell. And, and the main goal is to make sure that you believe, like I did, what I thought is hell is a fairy tale. They want you to believe it's a joke. They want you to believe Christianity. Oh, they're just a bunch of crazy hypocrites and they're making up stuff. You. Please, yeah. I urge you, always live with a sense of urgency. Hell is real. Hell is real. I don't want you to find out because I was, you know, he had enough grace and salvation on me to deliver me out. But I don't want people to find out. What if you don't get that grace and salvation? You're stuck. And there's no coming out of it. There's no coming out. Once he leaves you, you're, you're there. So I need people to take this seriously. I need people to take your channel and what you're doing very seriously. I can already know that God definitely has his hand on what you're doing, on what you're doing. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't come on here. Just like you have discernment, you can feel who's really working for him or who's not because the time is short. That's time right. Short. You know, so I appreciate you and your husband for what you all are doing. And um, just please, I just encourage everyone why I'm on here. It is not a joke. It is not a joke. Hell is real. When I tell you it is real, I still, you know, uh, uh, have certain times where I can smell sulfur or I hear certain sounds and it defies me. It really does. It, it, you know, I can never get over that. And I'm trying, I'm getting better and better each day, but that was the most horrific experience. And I wouldn't wish that on no one. No one. Like I said, there's so many much more parts that I would like to discuss about it, but there's no way I, it, it wouldn't be appropriate to put the tortures and the things that I actually, I mean, in detail, what I saw, the torture, the suffering, the regrets. And that's the most thing I heard when I was down there. I stayed down because that's where I felt the, the regrets. The people asking the Lord, five minutes, one more chance. I heard that more than anything. I heard that more than the, than the blasphemous things people were yelling at. Please, one more chance. Or let me make it up to them. That's a lot of numbers I heard. They wanted to make it up to people who what they've done. You know, I mean, regret, regret. And I, and it's funny. I was just going to say real quick, uh, as you're saying this, I know this is the Holy Spirit because I was, the word regret, regret started coming to my head and I was just about to say it and he said it. So that's the, the theme is we, we don't want to have regrets when we're on our deathbed or on our life. We're, we're not going to regret what we're going to regret yeah. is that we didn't know the Lord, that we didn't seek him like the time challenge. Where, where did we spend our yeah. time? Yeah. And this is an urgent message. And yeah. I know that this is the Holy Spirit speaking through you. Well, I'm just honored to be a vessel. Um, like I say, out of all the people, I'm just glad to be chosen that he's using me as a vessel. I take no credit at all. 
I never take any credit because without the Lord, I am nothing. I would not have a life. I wouldn't have a thought. I wouldn't have a God-loving, God-fearing wife. I wouldn't have beautiful children. I wouldn't even have discernment. I wouldn't have um, um, emotions to be able to feel. Um, so everything is due, due to the Lord in, the, in everything. And I want people to stop taking credit for stuff that don't belong to them. The arrogance, the arrogance of some people these days also would get you to hell. I'm just being explicitly honest. Arrogance definitely gossiping you all. I saw more gossipers in hell than anything. And people think it's just an innocent thing, but people don't realize how life-damaging and life-draining gossiping is. It is. Our, our focus is to be on the Lord and Lord only. Yes. Um, yes. One, one thing I want to kind of bring back is you were sure. in the hospital. You said you had PTSD. Yes. Now, Dominic, you, you were shot, right, yes. when, you, when you went mm -hmm. and you woke, woke up in the hospital. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about did you have a relationship with Jesus? You, you loved him, but you didn't know him prior. You were still in yes. the gang. Where, where, yes. What was your thank faith you. at? Thank you for mentioning that. I, I, I wanted to say something about that. Um, I had an idea of loving Jesus, but I really didn't know him. And that's why I want to explain to people. Everyone loves God. No, you don't. You love the idea of God. You don't have a personal relationship. So at one point, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I thought I loved our Lord Jesus Christ. I knew a lot about him. I, I thought I loved him, but I didn't. I honestly didn't. Now that I have a real personal relationship, now I know that I love him. Now I can see the complete difference. I love the idea of him, but not really loved him. Now I love him because I really have a personal relationship. So I just want people to also do self-inventory on that. Check, do you love the idea of the Lord, or do you really love the Lord? Because there's a big difference. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm very glad that you mentioned And I think that goes back to your fruit. What is the fruit? Your fruit yes. shows the relationship yes. with the Lord. Yes. yes. Right now, uh, so, every day, um, you know, and, and that's, I want people to know this, okay? Um, just some words of encouragement. Because it, it, it gets harder. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, when you. When you follow the Lord, this life is hard because we are in enemy territory. Even the Lord said itself in the book of Matthew, what did he say? The God of this world, the small G-O-D, of course, is Lucifer. And the more that you get an authentic relationship with him, the more harder life gets, the more curveballs come towards you. But it makes me go further. It makes me go on. You know, that's why it's good to surround yourself with God-loving people, mm -hmm. with people who will encourage you in times of need. That's why I'm thankful for my wife. Whenever I'm spiritually being attacked or down, she gives me energy and encouragement. So I encourage you all to surround yourselves with godly people. And, and you all, this is so real. Please don't give up because he will make it to the point where you will want to give up. You, you will want to just throw in the towel. But I want you to remember these testimonies. I want you to remember what's waiting for you. I want you, if you forget, I want you to go back to the channel and watch again. Watch all the testimonies on her channel and, and, and just reawake to know that if you give up, you're going to receive your portion. You know, it's about having strength and, and, and persevering. But it's all an illusion. This is all temporary. You know, the stuff don't yeah, last. That's a, good, that's a good encouragement You to keep going, to keep – because the devil's not going to mess with you if you aren't doing anything, if you're lukewarm. Oh, you know, we say that all the time. And people are getting blessings. And they blame – they say, our father died. Well, I say, which God gave you that car? Which God gave you that house? Because um, our father is not in the habit of just giving up things like this, the price is right. He gives you a new mind, gives you new hearts, new focus, new, new, new intellect, new goals, 
eternal goals instead of temporary goals. So, and like you were right, the devil, he, uh, he definitely doesn't mess with you. Why, 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 you know, fix something that isn't broke. So a lot of people who are just living the lavish life, they have no problems. They'll tell you all, all day, oh, everything is always going well. I have no issues. I'm sure you don't because you serve your <laughs> But the thing, you're going to have a big problem. When it's all said and done, you're going to have a huge problem. So we might as well get the hard part with over now and spend eternity with no worries than have all the problems now and spend eternity with worries. You know, that's, how, that's, that's my philosophy. And I feel like as you get closer to the Lord, you hear from him more, you establish that relationship. The treasures, like the things of the world become dimmer, and you're just like, I want treasures in heaven, you know? Yes, and that's, that's what, you know, it, it, it's all about. Um, the Lord said it, but he gave us all the instructions. He gave us all the instructions. What did he say? Don't worry about you building your treasures up on here with the moths and everything and thieves can steal and you know, your stuff rusts. Well, he said, build up your treasures in the kingdom of heaven, right? That's, I mean, and he keeps it plain, but we as humans always look, overcomplicate things. We try to be too intellectual sometimes, and then we end up dumbing it down. It's so simple. Life is so easy that it's hard, literally. And that's what the, the Lord, he so plain to you. That's why he always spoke in parables. So everybody, no matter what level that you were on, that you will get it. He made everything simple. So we don't need to complicate nothing. If he says, don't touch the stove because it's going to burn you, don't touch the stove because it's going to burn you. Don't make a metaphorical meaning out of it that doesn't compare, you know what I mean, that doesn't apply. And that's what we do all the time. And that's what actually demonic forces do. They make them so smart that you become actually dumb. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, judge people, but I have to tell the truth. I call them intellectual parrots. I meet many people who know the scriptures in and out. They sound very educational. They sound powerful, but yet I don't feel the Holy Spirit. They don't exhibit it. They know the fruit. They know, they know verses, they, but then they remind me that demons also know the Bible. They can say it back. They say it backwards, you know? So people yep. watch out. That's why it's so important to have that relationship and have discernment because you have many people these days, and he even said in the last days, which we're in, by the way, that's not even an argument. I don't even yeah. debate with people on that. We are in the last days. You don't have to argue about it. You, you know, just do your job, deliver your message, and leave. Like I was saying, metaphors, speaking of metaphors, I had a metaphor the other day. I was talking about like the UPS man, for example, or a FedEx driver. Their job is just to deliver the package, make sure it's to the customer, and they leave. They're not responsible for how you open it, what you do after you receive it. Only our job is to be messenger to deliver the package. So I'm delivering the message, and I hope I hope it's, it's well received, and I hope that you use what's in the side of the package, you know, to benefit where you're going in eternity. Because there's only two places. And you know, sometimes it looks like it's a tough package, but it's full of love if you can just have eyes to see and ears to hear. Yes, right. You know, yeah, you're right. And I'm, I'm real quick. I just wanted to say that when God gives you an upgrade. It always comes in a form of trauma or a crisis, okay? You learn stuff in good times, sure enough, but your real wisdom and elevation goes when you go through something tough. So God packages always look like a crisis on the outside, but when you unwrap it, you automatically level up. I can so, testify. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Dominic, you are amazing. I'm so blessed to have heard from you and your story. Thank and you. your Yes. And I want to know, um, well, you've, you, did you write a book about your experience? Yes, I have some. Um, I have two books. One is on Amazon. It's called The Toughest Enemy You Have in Life is You. 
And my second book is really, I touch into it. It's called The Passport to Eternity. You can get it in Barnes & Noble. And I'm almost done with my third book. It will also be at Barnes & Noble. It's called Spiritual Currency. That's what I really, uh, it'll be out probably within two months, God willing, here. Um, I'm almost done wrapping it up. But that's where the whole experience is. So all three of them will have, the first two have bits and pieces, but Spiritual Currency will have in more detail um, about my hell experience experience, the stuff that I actually can't, you know, say. I don't want to offend any audiences and have any, you know, language. But in my book, I will have the thorough thorough details. Spiritual Currency coming out, Barnes & Noble, but my books, you can look them up. And, um, yeah, I appreciate it. And also, we're out here, you all. Um, we're called the Narrow Path Society. Me and my wife created this. Um, we're spiritual warfare. We specialize in spiritual warfare to wake people up about the things that you can't see are really the things that you can. Um, you all. Uh, we're a street ministry. We go everywhere. We, we're, uh, we're out. We're based out of Minneapolis, started on the north side of Minneapolis um, here in Minnesota. And um, you all, it's a tough, tough, tough fight. But we need everyone's help. We need everyone's help. And most importantly, we need your help to stay bold and be confident. Don't be afraid to say you love the Lord. Don't, don't, don't be embarrassed because he also said he would be embarrassed to say he knows you when it's time to meet his father. So you all keep that in mind. You know, we need everybody here. Yes, I love what you and your wife are doing in this ministry. I will be keeping you guys in prayer. Thank you. And I will, I'll leave all of the links in the description where people could follow you. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you again, Dominic. Thank you you for having me. Thank you. I I appreciate you and your husband. I appreciate you all. Do you mind? I'm going to pray us out. Yes. Uh, Would you do that? I would love that. Yes. Sure. Sure. Dear Heavenly Father. We approach your throne always with a sense of gratitude, but today we are also approaching with a sense of urgency. I ask anyone and everyone who is watching this to take this message of yours, not my message, your message, Lord, to heart, to change their whole being and experience. Lord, bolden everyone to make the choice to follow you because your doors of salvation are closing. Lord, get everyone who is watching this the discernment to be able to see the signs that you have given us because we're running out of time. Father, forgive us all. But, Father, I need you to embolden us with courage, the strength to reveal your name, no matter where we're at, no matter what platform, no matter what environment that we're in, that we represent you. Father, we ask you to minimize us and maximize you in us. So, therefore, when people see us, they see you, not us no more. Father, we give our will over to you. And if there's viewers today who want to give their life over, Father, right right now, just touch them. Let the Holy Spirit come through the screen and through this microphone to touch their heart. Let the chills turn to things that have become real to manifest in their life so they can live out the purpose of eternity and not temporary things. We honor mm-hmm. you, not with just our words, but with our walk, with our mm-hmm. action. And, Lord, I will, I will, please bless, bless this show. We thank you so much. We, we can um, feel the Holy Spirit. This is a great instrument, Lord. And continue to bless. And bless everyone who will be on the show and who has been on the show. Yeah. We love you so much, and we honor you. And forgive us when we fall short. Just pick us up. And just everybody in the world. We love you. All the things we thank you and your son, Yahshua, also known as Jesus Christ, by way of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
Jackson this morning it's saying amazing grace and that's what God has for us today amazing grace he have mercy his mercy is endless most of all his love for us he have a love like no other we don't even understand how he loved us so much yet he does for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believe on that son won't perish, but have everlasting life. And we heard the testimony. And, you know, things stuck out in my mind that this young man said. And he said down in there, listen to this. And sometimes we think it's nothing. You know, we're just talking and saying some things. And sometimes we don't mean what we say, but we're saying it. But yet we're gossiping. He said gossipers was in hell, and he knew why they were there. They were there for gossiping. He saw fornicators there, adulterers there, liars there, people doing that did sexual things. The, the, the scripture said marriage is honorable and the bed is undefiled. But even in that, we must be led by the Spirit of God. And not so much let our lust take over, even in our marriages. Because the Holy Spirit, as he said, lives in us. And we want to be careful what we're doing. Because I don't want to have the Holy Spirit just there while I'm doing any and every old evil thing. Every, you know, every sin, I, 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 the Holy Spirit is, because he won't leave you. We have to leave him. He said witchcraft, he would name one of them, Santa Maria. Yeah, witchcraft, voodoo, black magic, white magic, all of these things. We're going to other stuff and not to God. He's a jealous God, and we shouldn't have another God before him. Yeah, I had a young lady to tell me that she had a boyfriend, and evidently he had cheated on her. And she said she took his picture to the graveyard and nailed a nail in the center of his head into a tree, and he died. Yeah. I've had other people to tell me that, let's say, woman A hated woman B. And 
woman B sent her daughter, woman A called and told her, hey, I cook greens today. Come over and get some. She said, I can't come. I'm cooking and making dinner for my family, but I sure would like to have some greens. So woman B sent her daughter over to woman A to get the greens. On the way back, they smelled so good, woman B's daughter decided to stop sit down under a tree and eat some of the greens. She eventually made it on home with the greens, but the mom noticed this. Every day at a certain time, she would go to that tree and howl like a dog or like a wolf. And people told her, so she watched it and she got to see her daughter out there doing that. She didn't know why, what happened to her daughter. She ate the greens from woman A, and woman A had did what they called dressed the greens with witchcraft and stuff. But she did it for the mom, but the mom didn't eat the greens. The daughter tasted the greens. When mom got the greens home, she threw them away because she knew woman A did not care for her. And you sending this to me to hurt me, but it got the daughter instead of the mom. See, evil... You got to have some deep evil in your heart. The scripture says hell enlarges itself daily. And see, we here on earth, and, 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 and so we think during this earthly natural time, you know, we feel and we touch and uh, we get what we want, we do what we want, and we don't think there are consequences behind our actions. But he said your feelings are magnetized. Uh, 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 yeah. Magnified. It's intense million times more. Uh, many think it's a joke. We in hell right now, so there's not another hell. This is it. No. Nope. He said he wasn't into hell. He said he was going through hell right then. He saw the beginning of hell. But there were some gates to go through. Once you went to went through those gates, there wasn't no turning back. Where he was with others, he said he hadn't noticed until now he was talking about it. He said there was others up on the cliff with him looking down. And they saw these skeleton people marching, chained together. He said it was trillions of people down there, and I'm sure. But today we want to repent. Unto Almighty God, and we want to ask God to help us to remember hell. It's a place where we don't want to go. And we're not doing what we're doing to stay out of hell, but we're doing what we do because it pleases God. We're doing right. We're spreading the gospel. We're talking of his wondrous works and making known his deeds among the people. Because it pleases him and his work unto him. He wished that none should perish. And we wish that none should perish either. Sometime I tell you, it's, it makes you not want to do nothing. It makes you not want to say anything to anybody. Because when you share many times the goodness of the Lord, they don't want to hear it. And if they hear it, they come with a bunch of questions that's not necessary. The day you hear his word, harden not your heart. Just receive God. Pray and ask him to give you understanding. 
Go to his word and begin to read. He'll teach you how to study. So that you'll know what his word says. And you have the opportunity to believe or reject it. But anyone that rejects God, they don't know what they're doing. And this thing is coming up again. And your rejection, rejecting the son, you'll end up at the gates of hell and get to go through into hell. Yeah. So this morning as believers, we want to prepare ourselves daily to walk upright before God. We want to prepare ourselves daily that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We want to prepare ourselves daily so that our natural man can die so that the spiritual man can live through us and in us. It's just like this. If we don't feed us, and some of us, we feed us too much. And it's not always healthy stuff that we're feeding, so we see the results. When we begin to grow, we begin to gain weight. But the same way with the spiritual man, if we feed him good, we'll grow good in him. If we feed him good, well, how do I feed him, Barbara? Through prayer and the word of God, obeying the word of God to the letter. Don't let people tell you, no, that's impossible. That's not what he's talking about. I heard a preacher say one time that God won't drop things out of heaven on the earth. Now, I heard him say that. And what it allowed me to know, he has not had every experience there is with God. He had not had it. Because I'm a living witness, God will put it on the ground. If he can't find someone to give it to you, he will put it on the ground. He will send it to your mailbox. Now, see, they, they can believe these type of things. Oh, I got a check in the mail. Where did it come from? That's the first thought. Oh, it came from the insurance company. Oh, it's back money owed to me. Oh, I overpaid this and they sending me my money back. Oh, it's a refund from this. They can believe all of that, but they just can't believe that God will bless you in a way that's unexpected. Yes. However he need or uh, have to get the blessing to you, this is what he will do. But we must believe him with our whole heart. And daily, everything that we do, we, we need to stop, pay attention, and make sure we're doing this unto God and make sure that what God sees that we are doing, it pleases him. I'm thinking of some things even for myself right now. I have words I say, they're not really bad words, but I don't think they're words that God would be pleased with. It's not cussing or nothing like that. It's joking. And I believe it's time for me to come out of the jokes and come on into God and don't say those words because they're funny. And many people would hear it and laugh. But it's time to stand up. It's time to prepare for his return. He's coming back. He's looking for the church without spot or rancor. 
Hallelujah. We're going to one more quick song of the morning, Sister Dye. And if you are ready, press your number one, and I will bring you in. And we'll do our morning Bible questions. When all foundations have been shaken When I'm left standing in the dark And all I feel is my heart breaking You're still raining, you're still God And when it feels all hope is
Hallelujah. You're still God. No matter what we go through, he's still God. And if we can but have faith and believe and trust him today, he will bring us out over and over again. We don't have, have it to worry about because we are more than conquerors through his son, Christ Jesus, that loves us. So listen, I, we're going to do our Bible questions, and afterwards I'm going to read a couple of birthday cards because I love those cards and I like to read them. So <laughs> we'll do that today. All right, so Sister Dot, um, let me bring you in right now. Good morning. God bless you. How are you? Good morning to you and all the listeners. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And I thank everybody for their prayers. Amen. Amen. Yes. So I'm happy to see that you're feeling better. Much, much better. It was something else. Yes. Thank you, Lord. For your healing power, we thank you today. So listen, what's your first question, Sister Dot? Um, if Goliath fought and won, what would be the outcome for the Israelites? Okay. Uh, I have, um, let me see where I put it. Um, okay. the, the, the answer I have is the Israelites um, would have become slaves to the Philistines. Okay. And um, I found that in First Samuel chapter seventeen, eight through ten. Okay. Verses eight through ten. Yeah, I have that same thing. I have. Uh they would become the servants of the Philistines. And 1 Samuel chapter 17 and 9 is what I have. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's that's the right answer. That's the right answer. What you have for number two? Um, In which book is this passage found? Blank, blank, blank. His compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Hallelujah. Uh, I have the book of Lamentations, mm-hmm. uh, chapter 3, verses 22 through 23. Yes, and ma'am. It, it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Grace is faithfulness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Grace is that faithfulness every morning. Hallelujah. Every morning, he's faithful to us. Wake us up. We're closing our right mind. Oh, yeah. I say all the time, God is faithful, and that he is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so number three. Um, the Colossians were instructed by Paul to read their letter to the church in what other city? Um, I have 
Colossians chapter 4, verse 16. Mm-hmm. And the other city was named, uh, let me see, uh, Lay, oh boy. Lay the Lay, seal? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and what, uh, what, what scriptures out of Colossians was it? Uh, four, chapter 4, verse 16. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That is correct. That is correct. Yeah, that's Laodicea. And uh, it's in the book of Colossians, chapter 4 and verse 16. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. What you have for number four, Sister Dot? When did Moses, Moses direct the priest to read from the law to the people of Israel? Um. I have at the end of every seven years mm-hmm. it's in the solemnity of the year of release in the Feast of Tabernacles. And I found that in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 9 through 13. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That is correct. That is correct. Okay, and last but not least, what's the number five? Um, what does God warn the Israelites about through Zephaniah? Um, I found that in Deuteronomy 31, verses 9 through 13. Okay. And let me see. Oh, no, wait a minute. That was the number four. Oh, uh, Take I, found that, I found that in Zephaniah chapter mm-hmm. one. Okay. Um, verses 14 through 18. Uh huh. Yes, ma'am, that is correct. Uh, Zephaniah uh, chapter one and verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty man shall cry there, there bitterly. Yeah. So we thank God this morning uh, for his word. And uh, we give him glory. We give him the honor. And uh, we give him the praise. And I thank you so much, uh, Sister Dot, for uh, getting the questions and the answers and the scriptures, uh, where to find all of this. And uh, I'm making a book. And so eventually we can go back and um, look over these and uh, we might uh, do something that we're able to give gifts away for uh, those who can remember and bring it back. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm impressed to see how the Lord will lead and guide in all of this. So again, this morning we are thankful unto him. He is God. And uh, he won't fail us. We may fail him, but he certainly will not fail us. And this testimony, ever since I first heard it last week, has been a blessing unto me. And I felt like God led me to hear this young man give this testimony as a great reminder unto me. 
Yeah, work on getting it all right now. Work on getting the spots and the wrinkles out of you. Share with others and let them know the time is near that we need to get the spots and wrinkles out of us because he's coming back looking for the church. And we are the church. So he's coming back looking for those of us that have no spots or wrinkles. Now, it don't make us perfect. It don't make us above anybody. But what it does is make us workers unto him that we have shared these things with others and that we have put it to the test for ourselves to get right with him. Yeah. And it's not by works that we're saved. Hallelujah. Most of all, I believe it's his grace and his love for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm thankful unto him. I'm looking right now. Uh, to find Sister Dot card. Um, she always sends me some wonderful cards, y'all. So now this one says, you are a true friend to me. And it says, dear Barbara, and I'm not saying this just because we've been friends uh, for what seems like forever. I'm saying it because we have a good time when we are together, because we can talk about any. And everything, because we are there for each other to lean on or listen. It's not everyone that could be that kind of friend, but you are. So on your birthday, I'd like to say thanks for being that kind of friend, a true friend. I don't know what I'd do without you. Love, God. Have a blessed and prosperous birthday. God bless you. I thought that was a what I thought it was the D E A L the deal. Yeah. And so <laughs> this one here it goes into a special category. <laughs> yeah. Because I enjoy reading the cards that um you know people send. I have a, a couple of more and I'm gonna try to be as quickly as possible. I didn't see Brother Anthony today. So I might need to hit him up, make sure he know I'm back. Okay, this one says, happy birthday. So glad God made you uniquely, wonderfully you. A blessing to all who know you. Celebrating you with thanks to God and a prayer for his overflowing blessings in your life. Happy birthday and may God bless you to see many more. Love, Nikki. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like reading these cards. All right, we got a couple more. We got a little time, so I'll read a few more. And it let people know that you didn't just get a card and just throw it down somewhere and you don't care nothing about I have so many because I keep them. Y'all don't throw my cards away. <laughs> I keep mine, y'all. All right, now this one, uh, let me see who this is from. Okay, this is from my cousin. Uh, the one that had me laughing so hard last Saturday. <laughs> it is a beautiful car, and it's got ribbons and diamonds. Oh, it's just beautiful. Happy birthday is what it says. It says that happy birthday, endless wishes for the best day ever. BJ, love you, Donna. That's my cousin Donna. They call me BJ for Bobby Jean or Barbara Jean. Yeah, I'm, it's heavy, too. It's a heavy car, and uh, it's beautiful. And, yeah, she put a few dollars in it for me, yeah, to show me that, yeah, I do love you. Because when people give you their money, that say something. 
Oh, yeah, they love you. People not going to give you their money if they don't feel you of worth. Uh-uh. And if they don't love you, no, that go to the next person. So here's the next card. Your ministry is making a difference. By this, my father's glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciple. John 15 and 8. Just wanted to make sure you knew how appreciated you are, not only for all you do, but for who you are, a reflection of the one you serve. In memory of uh, Brother Louis with love. Now, wasn't that cute? Yeah. I'm trying to think who sent me this one. It don't give a name. I think this was for last Friday uh, for the service for Brother Louis. It's got my name on it, so they gave it to me. I think this was Sherry, y'all. I think this was Sherry. Sherry gave me this card. How could I forget that? Yeah, Sherry gave me this one. Brother Louis White. Isn't that wonderful? In loving memories of Brother Louis, that's what she gave me. <laughs> you know, God is amazing. Amazing. Now, this says from both of us. Let's see who, who, let's see who they are. Bring on the cake and the candles and wishes. Bring on the happiness, too. And serve up a perfectly wonderful birthday for perfectly wonderful you. Love, Nikki and Amelia. That's her granddaughter. Yeah. We call her Millie. And I sometimes Millie tell her, her grandmama, I want to talk to Miss Barbara. So Nikki have to call me so I can talk to Nikki. I mean, so I can talk to Millie. <laughs> Millie's about... Billy should be about five years old now. She may be four, uh, but a very mature four-year-old. Yeah, she's a little lady. Have a person thing, yeah. Happy birthday to an aunt who's witty, charming, and so much fun to be around. <laughs> from the family member you have the most in common with, to Aunt Ba, from Peaches, Nita, and Norris. Uh, Peaches is my niece. She's my oldest brother, one of his twins. And Nita is her daughter, and Norris is her son. So we are, we are, we those right there, we're close. Then that's her twin and uh, her son. And so uh, I'm not in touch with them as often. But if I hit her son up right now, he'll hit me right back. What's up, Aunt Ba? Yeah. So it's that kind of party. Then I got all kind of messages over on Facebook, and I just wanted everybody to know I greatly appreciate every call, every gift, just everything, every wish, because people don't have to do anything for you. You, you, you. They don't owe you anything. And if you're out here doing this unto God, you don't expect pay. What you expect is the blessings of God, and that's what he does. It's not what you do, and it's not really what the people do, but it's what he lay on their heart. Because without him, they could do nothing. Hallelujah. I'm grateful this morning, and uh, I'm excited this morning, and I thank God for being Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My Savior, my Lord and Savior, I thank him this morning. So listen, um, and there were a lot of birthdays yesterday, the 28th, right after mine, my friend Gloria Sullivan, uh, another friend on Facebook. We never met. Her name is Valerie. And there's so many, you know, birthdays. My cousin, 
her daughter's birthday. Yeah, was yesterday. And so it's just a wonderful time of celebration and celebrating others. And so I just thank God for the opportunity because I could be dead and gone. But God let me live on 67, and I'm thankful unto him. And again, thank you, everyone. You made my birthday really, really, really outstanding this year. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. So listen, is there anyone who have anything they would like to say this morning? Feel free to press that number one. And look, Sister Irene sent me flowers. All a beautiful bouquet. I got to put them over on Facebook. But I mean beautiful. I said, now she paid some money to send these flowers to me. I got to keep them as long as I can. And, uh, and, and even when they die, even when they die, I, we're putting them in a um, a photo app. So we're putting them in there, and uh, we can use them for cards or, or something else, but I just like to keep them. And Shante showed me how to do that. I have a card on my coffee table where someone sent me roses over 20 years ago, and she crumbled them up a few of them when they died and she wrote me a poem and crumbled them up over the poem and then laminated it. It is gorgeous. Yeah. So we don't just throw stuff away. All of the balloons, I got a bunch of balloons. Matter of fact, we still taking balloons out the truck. So we're going to let the air out of them and we will press them flat and put them in a photo album as well. Yeah, we don't throw nothing away that's given. Yeah, because people didn't have to do this. And some people didn't have it, but they made a sacrifice to do it to show their love to me and their appreciation. So I'm grateful unto Almighty God for this. Brother Gilmore and Justin Gilmore, if you're listening this morning, love you, brother. Minister Gilmore, love you. Praying for you. And I need y'all to lift him up in prayer. He lost his mom just a few I want to say days ago. It haven't been very long. And uh, they had a homegoing celebration and everything. But Gilmore missed his mom. And so we just need to keep him lifted in prayer. And he sent me a message. I sent him one this morning to let him know that if he need me, call me. So I went to his message page. Uh, and, you know, set the phone number so he can call me if you need to. So let's just keep him lifted in prayer because many people, when mom gone, they, they see their whole life has changed because she's no longer there. So we want to keep him lifted in prayer that God will strengthen him. And I told him as time passed, this, this, this will get better. And we have to trust God. I gave him Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. So, yeah, we have some people with some situations that we keep lifted in prayer. Sherry is one of them, Louis Wise. We keep Sherry lifted. And uh, we keep his son and his uh, daughter and his grandson, his sister. I got to meet her. We keep them lifted in prayer because people go through when they lose someone many times. And sometimes it's years before they really can adjust to this thing. Because they're so used to the person being there. And it's like they're gone and they're never coming back. Some days I think of my daughter and I'll be like, wow, I'm in gone and you're not coming back. Yeah. So I, what gives me comfort is I know where she went. 
And so I tell God, thank you, and I keep him uh, lifted. Yeah. And not only do he draw all men unto us, but he'll keep us in perfect peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good morning, Sister Rita. God bless you this morning. Good morning, Sister Irene. God bless you, Sister Mary Ann. If you take a listen today, God bless you, and I thank you for the birthday wishes and everything. And if you notice, I wrote on one of them. I said, have you noticed I haven't asked for $50 lately? I thought that was so funny, Sister Mary <laughs> And she may not have thought it was funny because it's $50 I used to ask for. But uh, I thought it was funny, and uh, she's a good friend, and this woman would write me and say, I'm just checking on you. I, you was on my mind strong today. And I just wanted to make sure that you're good. Got a birthday wish from Sister Samoa. Yeah, she wrote me and uh, wrote me a poem. I put it over on Facebook and uh, some different things. Yeah. Sent me some birthday pictures and a cake. And guess what, y'all? I didn't have any birthday cake this year. Shantae the Warden is here and kept saying, no, no, I let you have a, a donut. It's a, a donut? That was a breakfast dessert. What about the cake for the dinner dessert? And she in there yelling right now to me, no. What? I'm going to have me some cake after a while, Sister Dot. Don't worry. I got plans. And she took me out to a place called Whitey's Fish Camp. The next time y'all come, Sister Dot, we going there. Oh, I think you'll love it. And, okay. Uh, yeah, I had white and fish, sweet potato, crinkle fry. Oh, they were so good. My goodness. And I got me an Arnold Palmer. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I had been calling it Ernie. And I got Nikki talking that to mix the lemonade and tea together. And uh, I'm trying to think of what else I had. I had, oh, buffalo shrimp. Oh, the food was just excellent there, and the, and the service was just good, good, good. Food come out hot. Oh, I loved it. I enjoyed it. So I will be going back to Whitey's again. I don't know when because I'm back on the salad regiment. So y'all pray for them in soup. She made soup last night, and then today I got to make a big salad. So y'all keep me lifted and prep because I do. I need to get the weight off. I didn't realize, you know, people, uh, they think that's all you want to do is eat. So if you send me a gift card, the other one, hey, take yourself out. Hey, do when I know them thing, I'm back. Shante saying, no, no, no. I'm like, yeah, 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 I got to use this. <laughs> like an expiration date was on it. Yeah. But I thank God. I thank God for the wonderful people that love me and show their love to me and for me. And I thank you so much for your gift, Sister Dot. God bless you. Yo, wow. Yes. You're thank you so much. Go ahead. I'm saying you're welcome. Amen. Thank you, Sister Dot, again. Sister Irene, God bless you. Thank you so much. Sister Rita, thank you for the birthday wish and uh, everything. And she was the one who showed me how to use the emojis because I didn't know how. So Sister Rita taught me how. And uh, she'll send me something in the morning, and now I can reply back with an emoji. You know, we do funny stuff. We do different stuff to encourage during the day. So I'm grateful. Buddy and Sion came to the service, uh, went to dinner with me, went to breakfast with me the next morning, and it was just beautiful, just beautiful. And then we went to Costco's. Yeah, Sister Dot, I rode the riding cart through Costco. Yeah, I wasn't doing all that big walking. That's a huge place. 
So I wrote the riding card and we got all kind of stuff. Sion turned us on to some wonderful oranges uh, that won't super raise my blood sugar. We bought plums and grapes and all kinds of cleaning stuff. And I just had a wonderful time. So I just thank God. So listen, if no one else have anything they would like to say this morning, I will pray us out. And we pray that the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. And uh, we're going to play our last song of the morning, maybe three minutes, and then we are gone for the day. Hallelujah. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all that has been said and done. And Father, we ask that you would help us to keep our mind on what this young man said about hell. Lord, it's not a place for your people. Uh-uh. It's a place for the wicked. And Lord, we want to lift you up. And we come this morning asking that you would strengthen us in your way. That God, we will be obedient to you and to your word daily. That we won't forget you. And that we won't forget others who have not received you. But Father, that we will pray that they will accept you, for you so loved the world. You gave your only begotten Son. And Father, if they are believed, they won't perish, but have everlasting life. We lift you up this morning, Father, asking you to draw all men unto you. We asking that you would do what they did, what you did on the day of Pentecost. Lord, we asking that not only you save, but you sanctify. And Father, that you fill them with your spirit. Do it for us this morning. Make us over again. Strengthen us as you're making us over. Father, help us to remember to keep our lips off of others. No gossiping. No fornicating. No sexual things, perversions, and all these things. Lord, help us not to lie. Help us not to be into witchcraft. God, help us to obey you and to reflect your love upon others, for you are love. And we thank you this morning. Bless each and every family member here today, every household God that's represented here, and every family member near and far. Father, we bring our children before you, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren before you today. Lord, we ask that you would fix their hearts and regulate their minds to you, that, God, they would know to seek your face and turn from their wicked ways. God, they'll make a conscious decision to come out of the world, to be in the world, but to not be of it. But, Lord, the enemy and the demons are seeking whom they may devise. Help us today, God, to keep our families lifted in you. Help us to keep our church family members lifted in you. Help us to keep those who come to Jesus in the morning faithfully lifted in you. First-time listeners, last-time listeners, God, help us to keep them lifted in prayer in the name of Jesus. Touch and hear, share your eyes. Make her over again, Father. In the name of Jesus, lift Justin Gilmore this morning. God, let him know that his mom has gone on to take her rest, but you'll never leave him nor forsake him. Father, you'll be with him until the end. In the name of Jesus, heal Sister Irene today. Lord, open doors and make ways for Sister Rita. In the name of Jesus, Lord, you see that faithfulness. Lord, I ask that you would reward her for her faithfulness today. In the name of Jesus, touch and heal her body. Whatever heart's desire is, God, I ask that you would bring it to pass quickly, oh God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise. 
Bless those that are incarcerated, those that are in every branch of the military, widowers and bereaved families, intercessory prayer people, preachers everywhere, oh God, preaching your word. Father Israel in Jerusalem, all our brothers and sisters overseas. God, we ask today that you would bless America and the leadership. Have mercy upon us this morning in the name of Jesus. And Father, we ask that you would draw us back to you wholeheartedly. That God, we will listen to your voice and we will listen to your word and not be a part of the world, but be in the world as Americans. In the name of Jesus, continue to bless this country. You put it together, oh God, and you know what's best. No one can outdo you. It won't go away until you say so. And so we thank you this day. Help us to remember the book of Revelations. God, help us to remember the book of Matthew and John. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you glory. We give it our honor and praise. And Father, we ask it all this morning. In the name of Jesus, bless our going out today. Bless our coming in. Meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son Christ Jesus today. We ask it all this morning. In Jesus' name again, amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another. In the name of Jesus, go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today. February the 29th, the last day in February. Hallelujah. 2024 in Jesus' name. So I'm going to say bye-bye. Have a blessed day. And this is our last song of the morning. I'm so delighted to be here tonight, and I'm grateful for Jesus Christ and for what he means to me. And I don't know how I got here on Indian night, but I'm here. <laughs> I'm so grateful today because I can say that I have Christ in my life. And at the early age of nine years old, I gave my heart to Jesus. My father was what we call a bootleg preacher. He didn't want to own up to being a preacher. He was in Bible college, and um, he never wanted to be a preacher. He was a businessman, and nevertheless, the Lord kept talking to him. And once the Lord puts a hook in your jaw, you can't escape. And I remember him being invited to a little church about 60 miles out from Los Angeles, where we are from. And this was a little church, the kind of church that even had the little outhouse in the back. And there was no musician there or anything, and um, my dad didn't know whether, whether it was the Lord's will for him to be there, because he didn't want to be a preacher anyway. And um, they said, oh, this is our pastor, and they wanted him so much to uh, be the pastor of this little country church after hearing him speak that afternoon. And time went on, and uh, my uncle, which is a, a presbyter of Southern California, asked him, he said, uh, Ben Crouch, why don't you go out there and just kind of get the church organized? He said, well, Ben, that the church doesn't have a musician, I'm going to pray, if God wants me to be there, I'm going to pray that God will give Andre the gift of music so he can play for the church. And uh, I had just accepted the Lord at the age of nine, and I was about 11 years old at the time. And my dad calls me up out of the audience and says, Andre, if God were to give you the gift of music, would you use it for his glory? I said, yeah, daddy. You know? <laughs> 
And then he prayed for me right there. And two weeks later, he said, okay, here you are. And he just stuck me up on the piano. I began to play. And I had a bad stammering problem. I couldn't say over three words without either kicking somebody or pounding the floor or something like that. And I wanted so much to express myself. And I was so grateful for the gift of music and how God had touched my life. And right there, I knew that God was going to use me. And I was just sharing with Brother Graham how, watching some of the telecast, how I, I, I was so blessed. And I said, oh, if I could just sing and people would be there and find Jesus, you know. And uh, it just impressed my life and put a... Uh, just really enriched my life at a very early age and now God has taken us to about 40 different countries of the world and I've seen him do so many miracles how three and a half years ago I was sick unto death and I found Jesus Christ to be a healer and I tell you he's everything and I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to tell everybody all the young people especially in all thy ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path you'll never regret any moment that you've given your heart to Jesus. And a song that he's given me after a hard time in my life, a particular time I thought I couldn't sing, I thought I couldn't smile, but he gave me this little song, and I trust that it should be a blessing to you. I've had many tears and sorrow. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times when I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation That all my trials come to only make me strong mm, I've been a lot of places And I've seen millions of faces But there were times when I felt so all alone Lonely hour, but Jesus let me know that I was His own. Now I can say through it all, through it all, oh yes, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. depend upon his word. So now I thank God for the mountains, and I thank him for the valleys, and I thank him for the storms. He's brought me through. For if I'd never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. Never know what faith in the word of God could do. But now I can tell the world that through it all, mm, through it all, oh yeah. Don't you know I've learned to trust in Jesus? I've learned to trust in God. Every child of God here tonight, you ought to thank God. 
you through right now Oh, for if you never have a problem You never know that God can solve them You never know what faith in the word of God could do But you can stand like a soldier and say and pain I've learned to depend upon his word when the doctor walked from my bed and shook his head right then I learned to depend upon but I went all the way to seven. I enjoyed that song. God bless you. <laughs> Bye-bye. I thank God for the mountains. 